Good. Okay. Kevin Longquist is now in position. And uh, Kevin was just, uh, he could barely contain his excitement when I reached out to him earlier today. And uh, Kevin's a man, he's got, he's a man of many hats. And he's always, I, Mosley, you know, I'm always asking him things during his work day, but he, he always makes time to kind of catch me up on things. Kevin, before we get into the big news with the Big the, the Big 12 uh, mm-hmm. today, I, I, this, the only person who might enjoy a good depth chart more than I do is you. <laughs> I think you love kind of pouring over a depth chart, and Aaron will tell you, yesterday I had that thing down pat. And, I mean, I was going working the jack. I was working the star. I had it up and down. And so I, I had a really fun time looking at the depth chart. Um, I guess it's kind of fun, isn't it, Kevin, to actually cover a team that they will put a depth chart out, knowing the team to the south uh, has chosen not to uh, publish a, a, depth, a too deep depth chart this, this year. Well, I think we've gotten to the point, Matt, with depth charts that, you know, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of people view them, and some in the media kind of view them as a punchline because I don't know how much you take them seriously anymore. I mean, I would like to look at them as good ideas, and you kind of have a pretty good idea because of when you're around a team as much as we are with Baylor, you get a pretty good sense as to who's going to be the primary guys in this. I think what's interesting from the Baylor standpoint is who do we project – as the starting wide receivers in this game in the opener against Albany. And, of course, you, at the wide receiver spot, you got Hal Presley, Monterey Baldwin, Seth Jones. I don't think that's really much of a surprise as far as that's concerned. But, but of course, you're also going to get something where you need to kind of figure out um, how much of those other guys are going to mix into this. And, you know, as far as what Texas did, uh, as much as they might be criticized for it or, or scoffing at it, it's almost like, does it matter? I mean, it really yeah. doesn't because it, I mean, it really. I mean, seriously, Matt. I'm not trying to, but but like I said, I think the way that we look at these things now is that when you see a two deep chart that has three or four guys at a certain position, it's like, well, what's the point? You know, that, yeah. that sort of. Thing. Well, I I mean, kind of raining on my parade. I was very excited about it, and uh, you know, <laughs> you're right though. There's an or used on quite a few of those things. I was interested right. in seeing the wide receivers. It looked right. like fleeks was kind of at the uh, third or fourth running back. But as you said, this might have been kind of an either-or type situation. There's always sure. the chance we show up for one of these games early in the season and Fleeks, lo and behold, becomes, you know, the the, the big-time guy. I mean, it looks like Tay McWilliams will uh, will start. Quaylen's involved as well. Um, I... It's uh, it's it's a, it's really interesting, and you and I have talked about this before. The, one of the fascinating parts of this team is huge depth on the D line, great right. depth on the O line, and yet uh, very talented skill players, but unknown and inexperienced skill players. So that's where I kind of get excited is looking three or four deep at those receiver positions sure. and going okay. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think there's two points to be made on this. Is that one, when you have as much unknown at those skill position players like Baylor is, it's almost like, yeah, these are our guys there, and this is where they're going to be lining up. But we got to see them really go compete when it matters, starting with Albany on on Saturday night. And then we got to find out where we're at moving forward with this. And because all of them are going to probably see some playing time, 
And this will be our, and aside from hitting ourselves for the last three weeks in scrimmages, this is going to be the first time we're really going to know what we've got. And yeah. heck, you can even throw in the, uh, the, uh, the green and gold game back in the spring game in April. And then you look at the running back situation there where you know, it's all fair to say that because the way running backs are using today's football, Matt, as you well know, it's not just one primary guy. It's going to be guys, you know, three or four guys that are going to get, that are going to share the carries. There's going to be one guy that's going to get, let's just say for the arbitrary sake, 35 carries. And one guy's going to get maybe 18 to 20. The other guy's going to get about eight. And then the others will be uh, distributed amongst the other ones for maybe change of pace or an end around or something like that. And so I think in this case with Baylor, I think it doesn't surprise me that Tay would be listed first because he's been the guy that's been projected all along to be the lead yeah. uh, running back in this rotation. And then you look at Quaylen, who, from what I understand, had a pretty good fall camp, which is great for him, of course. We And... You see Richard Reese, who might have a chance to break in and fold. Who knows? Josh Flakes. Again, all those ors just tell you that it doesn't mean that this is two. It doesn't mean that this is three. It doesn't mean that this is four. It's just like we think these guys are going to be in the game at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when they got that transfer from LSU. Is it Josh, Josh White? Yeah. And, yeah. And, think, and people saying, well, he's going to start for sure. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, again, who knows? But, I mean, he, he was not certainly not listed in that way. And, I, again, I think it speaks to the depth. I The one on the old line that was interesting to me, I like that big Mose Jeffrey, you know, and, and I think he was listed behind, um, oh, oh, Micah. what's our man, Micah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you say his Kua. last name? I think it's Moskua. I mean, I'm Moskua. how bad I slaughter names. So, I mean, why are you yeah. asking me? And so, yeah, um, well, I mean, I, anyway, because but, but I thought you had a better shot than I did. <laughs> well, I think I got it right, but then I guess we'll all find out soon enough if we get corrected in the press box on Saturday, right? Um, yeah. But, but anyway, uh, you know, if you look at this depth chart here, especially across the offensive line, I think the intriguing thing for me is you look at a guy like George Miley, the uh, redshirt freshman out of, uh, U- or I should say the true freshman from Utah, who's right behind uh, Grant Miller at right guard. Um, mm, yeah. Of course, we. Yeah, I think you know, the fact that you know, remember, he got here in January, so he's had all year, if you will, to work with this group. And there are so many expectations about what he could be in part of that rotation. And then the other thing, of course, is since there's no Khalil Keith for maybe a couple of weeks, you got Gavin Byers, who made a couple of starts last year at the right tackle spot. That's where he slotted into play. So I think that that all makes sense. So it's. So it's kind of like going, well, gosh, if you don't have Khalil, like, it doesn't matter because you've already got a guy back there and buyers who can handle it. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I like looking at all these things as we get closer to Saturday's first game. Of course, our pregame tailgate show that Kevin loves listening to will begin four hours before kickoff at two o'clock, and then of course we'll get you ready for. Uh, you'll hear it right here on ESPN Central Texas. Baylor against U Albany. Have you noticed that they they, they they're kind of are identified as U Albany? All right, and that's how the everybody great seems Danes. to. Yeah, love the Great Danes, and um, uh, this will be uh, this will be kind of interesting to to get things started. Now, the other news we talked to Kevin Longquist of Rivals. the The television news today that the Big Twelve. Uh, I think Pete Thamel had this on ESPN that mm-hmm. there will be a negotiations will start a year and a half 
um, earlier than they were set to start. You know, the, you, you have these right. windows when you're supposed to start these negotiations. And, of course, uh, some of the TV partners, whether it be ESPN or whoever, will be eligible to start those negotiations. Um, it seems like, Kevin, that Brett Yarmark is uh, – it, it makes him look very forward-thinking – and, and ready to go, and it's also today, I don't know if it's fair or not, but being portrayed sort of as, well, the Pac-12 was going to try to start early, and they didn't get anything done, and now it mm-hmm. looks like the Big 12 has an opportunity. Um, do you think this was a, a a really good day for the Big 12? Is that how you interpreted this? Well, yeah, I, I would I would say I'm in support of it because the fact that in this climate where it's kind of like a law of the jungle kind of scenario that we're all living with in college athletics and in terms of how many P5 leagues do we are, are we actually going to see over the next five years? Are we going to see actually five or are we going to actually see four uh, depending on what happens with the Pac-12? I think it kind of I think it's good uh, from the standpoint of. What can the Big 12 actually expect? There's also been the theory kicked around, and I, and I know, you know not only has Pete talked about this, but I think uh, Brett McMurphy has talked about it as well, that if this, is a, if this is a way to show potential Pac-12 members that if you join the Big 12, this is what you can expect, I mean, that's a certainly plausible kind of, type of scenario. Then I've seen the theory that, no, the ESPN and the networks don't want the Pac-12 to go away. So... Uh, to some extent, both of those scenarios are plausible, but it's also telling you, too, that this is shooting, uh, throwing darts, too, to figure out yeah. what, what this all really means. Uh, my personal opinion, though, but back to the point, is, yeah, it, it's good for the Big 12. It doesn't mean that they're going to get a, a landmark deal like the Big 10 just did, no. something that the SEC could get. But, you know, if you look at the Big, T- Big 12 in terms of what it was getting on annual revenue, what were they mad about, 43, 44 million or something like yeah. that when they released yeah. those figures in early June? I think if you get a package together, minus Texas and Oklahoma, that you can keep it right around 50 or get it to go beyond, uh, I think that's probably what you could really – I think that's what you're really hoping for. And you're hoping for that the new additions, at least the four known additions in BYU, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Houston – can impact that to where you will get something of an increase, you know, a, a bump every year, a solid bump every year to where you're topping 50 for each school. Mm-hmm. That would help, too. I think the other thing, too, is keep in mind, too, that when Brett Yormark said at the Big 12 Media Days in July that we were open for business, and he was asked about Texas and Oklahoma, and, of course, everyone kind of towed the line, said we're going to stay here until 2025 that maybe this is a way to spearhead getting those two out of the conference sooner and maybe they can negotiate something with the conference on a package, on a negotiable settlement that can make that happen. We'll, we'll see about that. But, I mean, it doesn't look like even, even if anything were to change, Matt, I, you know, you're probably going to have Texas and Oklahoma in the conference at least through 2023 uh, before anything else happens. Even if you were to broker something, with the networks, yeah, this is going to be uh, this is going to be really uh, something to watch how all this plays out in the aspect that you just mentioned, Texas and Oklahoma. Possibly this opening the door for them to leave early was one report today. I believe Dennis Dodd had Kevin looking right, forward to uh, getting yeah. to see you 
at this game Saturday and in games to come. And uh, love being up there in the press box. I know it means the world to you when I stop by your seat and and share some of my thoughts on different things. But uh, uh, really appreciate it, and um, I w- hope to uh, see you soon. I'll see you see you on Saturday. Absolutely, Matt. Looking forward to it. We're ready to get it going on Saturday evening. All right, there he goes, Kevin Longquist from Rivals.com, and you can follow him uh, on Twitter at Sikkim Sports. At Sikkim Sports is his Twitter handle, 